0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets And good morning, good afternoon, wherever the case may be, you're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber. Here you host for the next 30 minutes on Pet Life Radio's live call-in show, Ask the vets with Dr. Jeff. We're here for you, we're here for your pets. We're here to answer questions, we're here to talk about anything you want to talk about. But the key is you got to you got to let us know you want to talk about it. So we give you a couple of ways to do that. Um the easy way, toll free 877-385-8882. Um that's just the basic toll free number, but something that I like even better is if you go online And you can join us on Google Hangouts. Uh, There's a link waiting for you. We can see you. We can see your pet. We can answer your questions. We can talk. And uh, that's the best way. You can also, one of the other ways, you can do like a chat online, PetLifeRadio.com. And you can actually go to the same Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff tab and type in your question, your message, whatever. And we can talk about it. But we will talk about it. And that's the key here. The device is free. As I mentioned, I've been mentioning, as I just came back from the veterinary trade show, Western Veterinary Conference, telemedicine, telehealth, teletriage, call it what you will, is here. It's here to stay. It's happening. It's happening in human medicine. I'm sure you've seen cute commercials on TV already, where you can access the doctor live 24-7. Same thing in veterinary medicine. So the concept of getting your phone out, and actually seeing and talking, it's something you, you don't want to do. It's going to save you time. It's going to save you money. And it's, uh, it's sort of the thing. That my company that I work with called Live DVM is doing just that. So we'll provide doctor care, and you can get us pretty much 24-7. So anyway, as I like to do, we uh, I like to peruse the websites the veterinary information stuff, just so you kind of know what's going on, what kind of stories, what's appealing to you. And then towards the end of the show, I want to talk about something very specific because you need to know about it. You guys are pet parents, you're pet lovers. And oftentimes when you hear the word doctor, you think that's the end all. And it's not, because I will tell you something that the old joke is, if you put 10 specialists in the room, you'll get 11 different opinions. So the idea is, is that it is okay to ask. It is okay to challenge. And one of the, the best way you can challenge, the best way you can ask is if you have information yourself. Education, knowledge is king. So one of the things we're here to try to do here in Pet Life Radio is educate you. So the more you understand about something, the more likely you'll appreciate when something just doesn't sound right. It's getting that second opinion. Don't being afraid, not being afraid to challenge, to ask a question and make sure you like the answer. So uh, anyway, I'll give you a couple of uh, story scenarios, but it's really something important. So anyway, one of the things that this is no surprise to me that we've talked a lot about raw diets. We're going to go into another couple of recalls, which is now starting to blow my mind. And, I, and I've been mentioning here for a long time. I am personally not a fan of just blanket raw foods. There's got to be something in the raw diet that, that will kill off the bacteria, whether it's a flash freeze, whether it's some type of treatment that's done to kill off the bacteria. But we're seeing a lot of salmonella, a lot of listeria. And the recalls are almost every single week that I go onto these websites and getting information, I'm hearing of more recalls. So it tells you it's here. So this was also not too surprising, but a little bit disappointing with some of their recommendations. But CDC... All right. Centers for Disease Control. They found nine salmonella infections. All right. That might be traced to pet guinea pigs. Eight states from July 2015 till December of 2017. And their recommendations are to wash hands thoroughly after contacting and cleaning. And here's the thing that bothered me a little bit, that they are discouraging kids under five, pregnant women and elderly from even having these rodents or any rodents as pets. That might be a little bit aggressive. I think that the important thing is to teach kids, limit the handling. You know, you don't want a young kid. I Look, I have, as, as many of you know already, and maybe I'll bring him on later because he's so darn cute. But my Lou, my little Russian dwarf hamster. So when my grandchildren come over, they love to play with them I'm sitting there literally right over them because I'm afraid. They're just their natural tendency. It's like, you know, petting a dog. They want to grab, they want to touch. And this thing is so small, we don't want to take any chances. So we're right there. So if you have a small rodent pet, whether it's a guinea pig, whether it's a rat, a mouse, a, you know, a chinchilla, you name it, you want to be very careful anyway with small, small children. They have to be old enough to learn the importance of, of how to handle it properly, not squeeze, but make sure they wash their hands well. This was really a sweet story. And, you know, I I work with um, some different rescue groups specializing in this one as Hounds for Heroes. So this was a a Canine Courage program is another uh, sponsored by Zoetis. All coming up with ways to help veterans with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, help cope and matching really the right dogs for these people. This is a great story. Rescue dog Labradoodle became a veteran's uh, hero. It was an Iraqi war veteran. And uh, he suffered from traumatic brain injury. And his adopted rescue dog, this Labradoodle, basically has helped him overcome his post-traumatic stress disorder. And interestingly, one of the problems that this guy was having from the brain injury are migraines. The dog has been trained to sense the migraines coming on, warn the veteran who then can take his medication. And according to his wife, it's like this dog really saved her husband's life. So I think that's so great. Another raw food recall, I'm telling you, it's a voluntary recall. All voluntary means this, just so you know. And again, I know from my daughter's cookie dough company that they run testing all the time. If they come up with something that shouldn't be there like salmonella, they know they're going to get recalled. I mean, it's going to be coming down and they're going to have to, because they have to report these results. So when they do a voluntary recall, it's basically just, it makes them look good. But really what they're saying is, we blew it. We have salmonella. We did what we can to avoid it, but it didn't work. So therefore, we're going to do a recall, quote unquote, voluntary recall. But it's something that they would have to have done anyway. This is Steve's Real Food. It's raw, frozen dog food, turkey, canine recipe i'll give you the, um, the salmonella uh, um, contamination the upc it'll be online because yeah, i'm not expecting to get at your pen and paper and write this down but if you do feed that food here it is it's 6-91730-15303-8 lot e 178 so it's here uh, when you can come and, and listen to the tape version of the show, if you want to get a hold of that number, just go ahead and send me an email to drjeff at petliferadio.com and I will send it to you. But just, just know if you feed that food, you want to return it, you'll get credit, you can get another, you can stay with the same food. Don't, you know, they do test lots all the time. This lot came up contaminated, but just trust me, if it was all their lots, they'd have to report all of them. So it's just this one. This is a story, happy ending, a juvenile bald eagle. ball bald eagles are fairly rare and uh, was caught in fish fishing line, a veterinarian specializing in birds was able to rescue the bird. They were able to unwrap it. It's now doing very well. But one thing you have to know, fishing lines or anything that we throw away, you remember the the plastic wrap things that that would keep six packs together? We were always taught to cut them because birds will go through them if they end up in water. And a lot of times the waste ends up in water streams and lakes and, and reservoirs across the U.S., and it would strangle birds. So, you know, I used to, remember, I used to take a scissors and cut them so there was no nothing where the bird can get its head stuck in. Anyway, the recommendation is that anglers, fishermen, should dispose of this stuff properly. And you should never set lines within a 100 yards of the mouth of a creek, a stream, a reservoir, a river, anything, because that's where the concentration is the greatest. That's when they are, are opening and flowing in the greatest concentration into the largest, larger bodies of water. So just be really careful out there. Our wildlife has enough time, difficult time surviving. We don't need us to uh, make it any worse for them. This is something that has happened already in California, in many Southern California counties. So it's not anything new to me, but it's great when I hear it. So uh, we're going to applaud Pennsylvania. State legislatures are proposing a bill to restrict pet stores in Pennsylvania from selling dogs and cats or rabbits that are coming from anywhere except shelters and rescue agencies, and they're also eliminating the anything like the outdoor, um, like flea markets and any kind of outdoor venues from selling these pets as well. So it's finally happening. You know, the best way to stop these puppy mills from breeding these sub quality animals, keeping them in disgusting, disgusting environments and conditions is to not allow anyone to buy them. So the way to shut them down is if they can't sell into stores, obviously a lot of them can still sell online, but they can't sell into stores, they can't sell outdoor venues. And we see there's the no demand. It's all about demand and promoting, having people buy, if you want to use that word, adopt, rescue, adopt, don't shop. Then we will stop these uh, these agencies from from putting substandard pets out there. And again, the conditions are often horrendous. Maui, if anyone has tried to go to Hawaii, you realize it's very tough because their rabies standards are extremely strict. I mean, really strict, sometimes so strict. It's not even worth going with your pet because, you know, the quarantines have been up to as much as 120 days, four months. It's crazy. So anyway, now they're sort of relaxing. They're proposing to relax the quarantines to 30 days after an appropriate rabies shot. And that's from 90 days. And in some areas, 120 days down to 30 after a valid rabies titer. And unfortunately, here in the mainland, there is really, only I think, only one lab that does it. That's Kansas State University Diagnostic Lab. You know, people say, well, can't we like expedite it? Can't we pay more? I mean, I'm the president of some big company. Guess what? They don't care. They just don't care. This is the way it is. Um, they have sped it up a little bit. It's sometimes, it sometimes used to be four weeks. Now I tell people you can do it maybe in two, two and a half. But the only way to get a valid rabies titer for countries that require it or states in this case, uh, like Hawaii, that is the, uh, the, the only way to do it one lab across the country. So uh, this is really cool, too, that they were doing a study that dogs use both their, even though their sight is probably one of their worst senses, dogs actually use sight as well as smell. Obviously, their noses, their sense of smell is way better. So when they're finding like toys, they showed that they would spray toys with a certain sense of smell and dogs were trained to look for a certain toy. Now, all of the toys and these things had the same smell. So they eliminated that using the smell and dogs, even though they pick certain smells out, they kept looking until they found the one that looked the way they wanted the one they were going after. So they would take a bunch of toys, infuse a certain smell with like 50% of them or or less, whatever. And the dogs kept looking until they found the one that they wanted, their favorite. So that's pretty amazing. Oh, this was something that was near and dear to me, because uh, an experience I had when I was a little toddler, and that is dog bites. And I actually, interestingly, here in in Los Angeles, we have uh, the very famous USC's Children's Hospital, and I often, well, every couple of years, and the new batch of residents come in, I go in and speak to them about dog bites. You know, one of their infectious disease people will come in and talk about the disease aspect. I'm talking about the prevention aspect and how to teach kids to behave properly around dogs. So here's a good one. This was 34% of kids between ages uh, 6 to 12 had dog bites, 30% ages 2 or younger and they found out that this group, in general, the 6 to 12 and the under 2, had more severe bites than older kids, older, you know, young children. Bites were more likely among girls, but, this is really interesting, severe bites. So the number of bites, more girls were bitten. But as far as severe bites, and I'm case in point, were among young boys. So... um I had, a, uh, I had a, well, uh, before I tell you what, we're going to break here and then we're going to come back I'm going to tell you my story about Barron, my Doberman Pinscher, and five-year-old Dr. Jeff. Wasn't a doctor yet. And it's amazing to many that when you hear the story that Dr. Jeff became Dr. Jeff because this scared most kids away for ever going near a dog. Anyway, so don't go away. We'll right back after these short words here on Pet Life Radio. We'll see you in a minute. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Weber here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And um, I just before the break, we were talking about dog bites and how children, more likely than uh, older kids, smaller children, 6 to 12, and under 2, the bites were more severe. Little monster here, me, when I was 5, my dad thought it would be a great idea after growing up with boxers and having a boxer in the house, one passed away, and let's get another dog. But you know what? How about an intact, male, 11-month-old Doberman, none of us really know exactly what happened. I certainly don't. But all of a sudden I'm screaming and crying. And uh, the dog we think was lying, used to lie down in the front of the, by the hallway in the front door, like the little foyer. And I was coming in from outside. I was outside. It was wintertime. This was New York back a long time ago. And um, we think maybe I stepped on him, scared him. We don't know. All I know is he jumped up and grabbed me by the face. And his, if you can see here on the drum, his top teeth went here, his bottom teeth went here, and he ripped open my entire cheek, my smile line here. I can, you can't see it unless you saw it up close, but it's not a smile line; it's a scar. My whole face ripped open. You can see inside my cheek. My chin was cracked open. He got me good. Rushed me to the hospital. Plastic surgery later. The guy did. A pretty good job because most people don't even notice until I pointed out that my left smile line is way more prominent and deeper because it's really a scar, not a smile line. Anyway, I got home. So, most people, if you think about it, would be petrified, terrified of dogs. Interestingly, by this point in my my very long life at five, I'd already known that I was going to be a veterinarian. My parents say, even as a little kid, you know, when you're, you're asked, What do you want to be? I wanted to be a vet. And interestingly, when it comes to veterinary medicine, I hear this a lot. A lot of my classmates in veterinary school also had this, it's a calling. There's, who knows what it is. I often joke, I must've been a dog in a prior life, but whatever, I knew that this was for me. So when I got home from the hospital, I was all bandaged up. My face was all bandaged up and um, walked in the the house. I was in bed, still drugged. And the dog came in in the room, walked up to me, kind of nudged his big head under my arm, my limp arm, which was at my side, creeps forward, puts his head right here on my chest, And my parents said he sat there almost like in vigil all night long. He was truly sorry. And I think that had more of an impact on me as I maybe think, I don't know, I don't remember it. But hearing it, that the sensation, the feeling of his knowing kind of what he did and he felt badly for it had impacted me more than the bite itself. Clearly, I am not afraid of dogs. So anyway. I want to talk about it briefly the second opinion. Again, don't generalize this. It doesn't mean that every place is like this. doesn't mean that every doctor is like this, but it's okay to challenge when your a doctor does an exam and something that they say or do doesn't really fit what you think is going on. The more you know, the more likely you'll be able to recognize that something just isn't right. I get a call at 2.30 in the morning. Mind you, I am a dinosaur. My clients have my cell phone. They could have called me initially at 2 in the morning, but they panicked. They didn't want to call me, so they went straight to emergency. The issue was a cat that was seizing, started seizing at about 2, ran to the emergency center, and this doctor, typically, just so you know, just so you know, many hospitals that provide nighttime 24-hour care, even if they're specialty hospitals, the doctor that is working the night shift, that late night, you know, midnight to 8 a.m., whatever it is, is often a young doctor, is often an intern. That's doing their internship there, which is good. Very admirable. I highly encourage doctors to do internships, but they don't often know it a lot. And it's not even having the knowledge. They, a lot of them have the knowledge, but they don't have the wisdom. They don't know what to ask. They don't know to really delve into the problem like a seasoned doctor might. So had they done that, they would have known that this cat was a diabetic. Had they asked the right questions and they had they known to ask, they would have found out that my client's schedule because of her work schedule of giving insulin was 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. It's as long as you're consistent every 12 hours, that's fine. And then she used to feed the cat right after the insulin. Well, with cats, just so you know, dogs, that's pretty typical. Cats, I usually like to feed them first. Why? Because cats are funny and they're finicky and they don't always eat. So if you give them their insulin and then try to feed them and they don't eat, guess what will happen? What this cat what happened to this cat? Started to seize from hypoglycemia. So when she finally called me because they wanted to do check this out, the seizing was because of a brain lesion. Mind you, brain lesions don't come on suddenly per, when the cat is perfect, and all of a sudden they have a brain lesion. So right there, that was the first you know thing that, that shocked me that they're they're considering a brain lesion and wanted to do something in the ballpark of five to seven thousand dollars worth of diagnostics, including a CT or an MRI. Whoa! When she called me, I said, "Oh, tell me." Tell me about the insulin. What time did you give it? I gave it 11. I said, "Did the cat eat?" There's no. So I said, "Well, sure enough, um, this doctor was thinking, you know, uh, which is very common: seizing, brain lesion, maybe an epilepsy, a brain tumor, older cat. Yeah, that could be, but that's not high on my list because if you think of seizing with a, a diabetic cat who's getting insulin versus seizing a cat that has a brain tumor." Oh, boy, one one is up uh, way up here, and the other one is way down here on the list of possibilities. So, you know, you always got to think of the more logical explanation. So by this point, the cat stressed. What happened to the stress? The anti anson effect. So the cat starts to rebound and was acting pretty okay. I said, you get that cat out of there now. In fact, let me talk to the doctor. Listen to this. They wouldn't even, here, it's 2.30 in the morning. I'm getting up to handle this call, and they would not put the doctor on the phone to talk to me. That is another red flag. So. The more you know, if you have a diabetic cat, for example, and you know that there's something called, you can put them into an insulin shock because the insulin drops the blood sugar so low, if they they don't eat and bring that blood sugar up, then you can end up having a seizure. And it's just a matter of when acute diseases, another thing. No, again, these, these are all general rules. There's exceptions to every one of them. But when a dog, for example, has an acute episode of whatever it is, Suddenly, it's usually not a metabolic problem. Kidneys don't turn off immediately overnight. Liver disease, vomiting, pancreatitis, okay? These are usually brought on by some event. So when you have a sudden onset of whatever, limping, name it, any problem, you need to think swelling up. You know, a dog comes up limping and the foot is gets swollen. Now, dogs don't usually break toes. My first thought was he must have stepped on a bee. His pad was very swollen. He was very tender. He iced the foot. You know, he he actually belonged to an emergency room physician. When none of that helped, about a day later, I said, you know what? Like, it's unlikely because he is putting some weight on it. From what happened, it's a weird break to break a toe. There was no physical abnormal look to the foot. I said, you know, we got to take an x-ray now because by now with the treatment and the icing, the soaking, if it was just like a bee sting, it would have started to resolve. So it didn't. Take an x-ray, sure enough, a broken toe. The last digit we call P3, a very unusual break. But again, it made sense. But am I thinking of bone cancer? Of course not. Bone cancer doesn't go, you're not fine today and have, you're limping and not weight bearing tomorrow. So when something doesn't quite fit, when somebody wants to run major diagnostics, i mean, literally into the thousands, ask them, what are you looking for? Tell me what you're looking for and why. If that doesn't make sense, then don't be afraid to challenge. Don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid. You know what? I'm not comfortable with doing that right away. I'm going to get a second opinion. I'm going to talk to somebody. Even write Dr. Jeff. I mean, at PetLifeRadio.com. So these are the things that you need to be a little more comfortable with because I feel that when people have bad experiences at, at, at a veterinary hospital, I'll another perfect example. Dog comes in. Now, they were clients of mine a long time ago. They moved what we call the valley it's not like it's a major but it's you know traffic could be 45 minutes away so they found a local vet and they were they were happy anyway having a problem with a dog a, an older dog a 14 year old dog and the liver enzymes were very high they were wanting to do liver biopsies etc cetera, so et cetera. long story short they say you know what we want a second opinion they drive over into me and, and we i'm palpating the dog old dog first thing you do is you got to do a good physical exam hands and ears and eyes and get a history and i i didn't even look at the blood test yet I'm palpating the dog and sure enough, there's a huge mass in the abdomen, in the cranial abdomen that's got to be liver, maybe spleen, but it felt more like liver to me because it was just anatomically where it was and what was involved. I said, did they tell you that he's got a mass in his liver? I mean, it's huge. They go, no. I said, did they palpate? Did they feel? No, I think they just went and took an x-ray. It's like, really? Really? So this is what's out there. So don't think because you go to somebody who has DVM or VMD next to their name, they're a doctor of veterinary medicine that They have developed the skill, the foresight, the wisdom to be good diagnosticians. And when they immediately want to jump to tests, or more importantly, to a lot of tests at once, it's okay to question because usually you don't have to do a lot of tests at once. Usually you can come up with a game plan, take the most obvious things on the list, why they're the most obvious, get that explanation. And then let's test for this first. And then we'll go to the next one. Then we'll go to the next one. You don't need to do eight to 10 tests in one day. Uh, unless, of course, it's truly an emergency situation. You have no idea what's going on. The animal is failing and you're at an emergency clinic and the dog is pale, vomiting, or whatever it is. Then, yes, you need to get answers now because you don't have the luxury of time. But when you have the luxury of time, take advantage of it and plan it right. But the bottom line is here, don't be afraid to ask questions, to challenge, to second guess. And I think you will be in better shape financially. Your pets will be in better shape in the sense that you'll still get answers, but you won't have to get all these unnecessary tests, which puts them through a lot of stress and anxiety as well. So anyway, if you have any questions about this, I mean, this is obviously, you know, I talk about this stuff often. It's my pet peeve, pardon the pun. Well, actually pun intended. So um, get a hold of me. Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. You can uh, catch me on Instagram, which I'd love you to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Jeff Werber. And by the way, if anything, you're going to see really, really cute pictures because I see so many fun pictures uh, of dogs and my, some of my celebrity clients. You can get a look at those as well. And uh, anyway, have a great week here in LA. It's kind of overcast and raining. We needed it, which means in the snow, in the mountain, in the mountains, it's snowing, which is good. And um, we will be here same time next week. Here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Have a great week, everybody. Let's talk pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.